0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: A Tuesday right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159 starts Right now, live all across the sports grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens, and what a Tuesday we have in store for you! NBA playoff action continues to roll on, conference semifinal slates across the board a doubleheader last night two more games on this tuesday plenty to get to over the course of these two hours here on the morning after also a recap of the nfl draft live with two of the people we had out in las vegas for sports grid mike Blewett joins us in this opening hour anthony Tresh from pff also in this first hour of tma and then megan payton joins the show later on in hour number two we'll go playoff hockey as well why'd you play hockey well for the playoffs and an opportunity to hoist lord stanley's cup so much to get to on this tuesday on the morning after but we begin around the association in the nba last night out In Phoenix, Arizona. The reigning Western Conference champions back in the conference semifinals, a series matchup against the Dallas Mavericks. It's chalk across the board, both in the East and the West. One, two, three, and four, all still available in those seating positions across the NBA playoffs. And last night out in Phoenix, that top seed in the West, the Suns taking care of business against the number four seed, the Dallas Mavericks. Phoenix winning game number one, shooting the lights out of the basketball. 121-114. Phoenix as a team yesterday, 50.5% from the field, over 50% from the field, so the Suns barely cover as a six-point favorite as the line grows in their favor. Phoenix has now covered in all five of their wins so far this postseason, a total of 214 and a hook, also goes way over, despite the fact the Mavericks have the highest under percentage in the NBA this season. Now, Phoenix has gone over in five of their six last games here as of late. All five starters scored in double digits for the Phoenix Suns, led by DeAndre Ayton with 25 points. On the other side, it was Luka Magic, 45 points for Luka Doncic last night, 12 rebounds, eight assists. He was 15 of 30 from the floor floor four of 11 from deep but didn't get a lot of assistance outside of that jalen brunson who i love to go over 19 and a half for his points prop nearly averaging 28 points per game this postseason goes under that number of 19 and a half last night only finishing with 13. so phoenix now takes a one nothing series lead over the dallas mavericks again the sun's covering as a six point favorite winning by seven they have covered in all five of their victories so far in this postseason they've gone over in five of their last six the total last night of 214 and a half goes toward the over so phoenix now firmly in control based on the odds even after just game number one on their own home floor the sun's now a minus 490 favorite, straight up in that series price in five games is the shortest total that we have in that market on the FanDuel Sportsbook, plus 185. And I will continue to make this joke as long as the Phoenix Suns are playing playoff basketball. Suns in four? Well, that's plus 450 on the FanDuel Sportsbook in the series correct score market right now. So Phoenix up one nothing. They're laying a game and a half on that series spread. A minus 490 series favorite in that outright price in the shortest total games makes this seem like it's going to be a rather quick series five games is the shortest number at plus 185 Hey, welcome to our sports grid radio audience here the opening hour of the morning after on this tuesday live here on the grid in sirius xm channel 159 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well i am ben stevens the phoenix suns win game number one in their conference semifinal series out in the west against the Dallas Mavericks. 121-114 in the final in favor of Phoenix, and they cover as a six-point home favorite. Now, 22-22 against the number as a home favorite this year. The Mavericks got relatively close without much contribution from anybody other than Luka Doncic. And again, Luka, a huge, huge night. 45 points, 12 boards, eight dimes last night, but not a lot of assistance elsewhere for the Mavericks and Luka Doncic yesterday evening luca entered this series there was a market you could bet for the series leading score points per game average well luca was a minus 500 favorite makes sense after the 45 point performance last night devin booker had the second best price at plus 410 he finishes with 23 points but well behind luca Doncic. off to a great start if you bet on Luka, minus 500 in that marketplace. And again, the Phoenix Suns, a big favorite now in that series outright price, minus 490. And as we predicted, and as we said yesterday, although Golden State won game number one in their series against the Grizz on the road in the Grind City on Sunday afternoon, if Phoenix were to win and even cover against the Dallas Mavericks in their first game of that series last night, we predicted the Suns Would become the favorites in the Western Conference once again. And that's exactly what happened on this Tuesday morning on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Suns, an even money favorite right now to win the Western Conference crown. Plus 100, the price on the Phoenix Suns. The Golden State Warriors only 10 cents behind at plus 110. But now the second shortest price to win the Western conference crown yesterday phoenix was plus 130 the second shortest price behind the golden state warriors who were the favorites at that same number at plus 110 phoenix grows shorter by 30 cents now even money once again plus 100 the suns entered the western conference postseason as the favorites they flipped to a minus money odds on favorite getting very close once again even money plus 100 we go to the eastern conference a recap from south beach last night up next here on the morning after Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Spiz Grizz network. I am Ben Stevens. A double header last night on a Monday in the NBA postseason. Two more games on this Tuesday that we'll preview in just a bit. But first, a recap from South Beach, the Miami Heat, the number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference without Kyle Lowry on their side, taking on the Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid. And the line grew to 7.5 points in favor of the home team last night. The Heat, and because of a strong second half, the Heat make good, covering that number, winning by 14-106. 92. So Miami covering easily as a seven and a half point favorite, the largest spread or the second largest spread, excuse me, in Miami's favor so far this postseason. It makes sense, right? Seven and a half points, even without Joel, it seemed maybe just a tad too big once you get past that number of seven in the NBA postseason. But because of a strong third quarter and putting them away in the fourth, Miami covers as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. A total of 208-and-a-half. When we were wondering where the points would come without Joel Embiid for the Sixers, stays under. Against a really good defensive unit in Miami, Philly only scores 92 points. So 106-92, staying under a total of 208-and-a-half. Miami has now gone under in six straight points games all five against Atlanta and the opening game of this series against Philadelphia meanwhile the Sixers under in five of their last six and he's going to be the sixth man of the year in the NBA Tyler Hero leads the way for Miami off the bench yesterday 25 points four of six from deep and Bam Adebayo in the absence of Joel Embiid for Philadelphia takes advantage for the Heat Bam finishing with 24 points 12 boards a double double in a 14 point game one victory For Miami. On the other side for Philly, Tobias Harris leading the way with 27 points. But if Tobias Harris is going to lead the way without Joel Embiid for Philadelphia, they're probably going to lose both games by double digits. Now, there is some optimism that JoJo could come back when the Sixers return to Philadelphia for games three and four. But last night, both Tyrese Maxey and James Harden, especially the beard in James Harden, finishing well under their points props. Tobias Harris, again, leading the way with 27 points but James Harden's points prop was 25 in a hook he finishes with only 16 points last night his postseason high is just 22 16 points nine boards five assists for James Harden last night not what they will need from a production standpoint if Philadelphia is going to pull off an upset in game number two or if Philly is even going to cover a number against Miami now the heat with a 1-0 series lead and that is certainly reflected in the odds not just for game number two but take a look at the updated series correct score market for Miami and certainly series control for the heat the two shortest outcomes Miami winning in five is plus 185 Miami winning in four which would be a sweep is plus 320 that's the second shortest outcome on the board In this series correct score market, it should go to show what exactly the FanDuel Sportsbook feels about Miami right now, although they don't have Kyle Lowry with no Joel Embiid for the Philadelphia 76ers, and we see that reflected in the game two line as well. The early look for tomorrow night in South Beach, Miami, a nine-point home favorite at home on Wednesday against Philadelphia, so not a good picture right now for Philly as they enter game number 2 now down one nothing in the Miami Heat a minus 590 series favorite now in this outright price against the sixers and as we predicted for phoenix in the west the number one overall seed with a win in game one of their conference Semifinal matchup they would become the favorites to win that conference that's what happened for phoenix at even money the same happening for the heat yesterday as well now a now a favorite in the eastern conference for the first time this postseason plus 145 is the price now on miami milwaukee who was the favorite entering yesterday the second best odds at plus 190 Miami yesterday was plus 200 entering game one now plus 145 over 50 cents shaved off that number to leapfrog the Milwaukee Bucks as the favorites in the Eastern Conference Philly now the longest price 12 to 1 the Boston Celtics the third best number at plus 250 but again Miami the favorite right now at plus 145 to win the East the Bucks the second shortest odds at plus 190 the Bucs up one nothing in their series against the Boston Celtics. Game number two tonight inside TD Garden. Later on in our second hour, nearing the end of the show, George Bluttschie from Nesson will join for a full-blown breakdown of game number two in Beantown tonight. Right now, though, the Celtics a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook for game number two with the over under working up just slightly to 215 in a hook milwaukee won game number one outright as a five point underdog look at the line tonight it's four and a half it actually opened on FanDuel at four in favor of boston working in their way by that half a point right now on the FanDuel sportsbook milwaukee again just booked as a dog 17 times this season including Game number one, six and 11 against the spread as an underdog this year. Five and nine ATS as a road dog. But all five of those covers, including game one, an outright victory. The total of 218 in game number one stayed under. Boston has gone under in three of their last four. Milwaukee under in six straight. All five against Chicago in the totals working their way down for the Bucks in this series. And now we've seen a two and a half point drop in that over under from game one. Again, booked at 218 tonight at 215 and a half much more to get to in that game game number two tonight in boston later on in our show when george balecki joins us again covering the celtics for nesson but we also have game number two in the western conference semifinals out in memphis tonight the number two seed the memphis grizzlies a two and a half point home underdog against the three seed in the west the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors up one nothing in this series, just barely edging out Memphis in a thriller on Sunday afternoon, 117-116, to take a 1-0 series lead. That line working in their favor here yet again for game two. It was a two, two and a half point spread in most spots for game one. That's the same spread tonight. Our sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sherpan told us yesterday that when you keep the same home arena, when it's played on the same floor in between game one and two, and there's not an injury to really upset things, the lines really stay the same. We see the most movement in the total, and we see that yet again here for game number two between the Dubs and the Grizz. Game number one's total was 222.5, going well over that number. We're up by five points to 227 in a hook it got up to 228 yesterday is this a slight overreaction based on a lot of points in game number one to have that total grow by five points in between one game from one to two we'll have to find out and see tonight golden state has gone over in six of their last seven the warriors have not covered though in three straight games all as a favor they won Game number one, but did not cover. The Grizzlies covering as a a two-and-a-half-point home underdog. And this is going to be the highest total that Golden State has now seen in the postseason. Memphis, 8-3 and as a home underdog this year against the spread. Seven of those eight covers coming by way of an outright victory. Only game number one was the only game this year. Memphis has covered at home, but not won outright. And as we look at some of the leading scores that we saw on full display in game number one on Sunday, for the series uh, point leader, excuse me, there, John Morant is the favorite at plus 130. Stephen Curry and Jordan Poole behind him at plus 195. John Morant. Had 34 points in game number one. Jordan Poole had 31 points in game number one, well over his points prop on Sunday of 18 and a half. Jordan Poole also five of ten from deep on Sunday against the Memphis Grizzlies in game number one. As you look at some of the point props tonight, comparing these leading scores for both sides. Steph Curry, 27 and a half. Jordan Poole, not listed as of yet. And John Morant's points prop. Also, 27 and a hook, tied for the top mark along with Steph Curry. So game number two in Memphis tonight. Once again, the Warriors, a two and a half point home, favored the total growing by five points from game one, now booked at 227 and a hook. Mike Bullitt joins the show up next. Recap what happened in the NFL draft this weekend in Las Vegas. Stay here Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Now very pleased to welcome on Mike Blewett, Sports Grid's NFL analyst, NFL everything here, who was out live in Las Vegas this past weekend for the 2022 NFL Draft. So Blewett recaps the Desert Draft here on the morning after on this Tuesday. Blewett, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, buddy. Excited to be here with you. I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm feeling better starting to recover uh, from three days in Vegas where we had a lot going on. Obviously, there was uh, we we did just about every pick from round one through round seven. So uh, it was a great time covering it. And obviously now we have a, a fuller picture of how these teams are shaping up heading into
1: the 2022 season. Three days out in Las Vegas will test anybody's limitations. So we are glad yeah. to have you here on a Tuesday morning on TMA. And Blewett, although the draft happens for the prospects looking to take the next leap into the NFL, everything is connected. And there was an interesting moment in that first opening round on Thursday night when the Arizona Cardinals had a blockbuster-ish trade when they acquired Marquise Hollywood-Brown from the Baltimore Ravens, sending a first-round uh, first 1st pick in his place. And everybody was like, what? Well, that's an interesting move there, Arizona. Why exactly did you do that? Well, maybe yesterday we got a little bit of clarity of what happens in the NFL draft and what it means, as you said, for the fuller picture for each of these NFL organizations now entering the thick of the offseason. Because we learned yesterday via Adam Schefter of ESPN. That DeAndre Hopkins, the Arizona uh, Arizona Cardinals wide receiver, has been suspended six games this upcoming season for a violation of the performance-enhancing drugs guidelines in the NFL. So a big move there, Blewett, which obviously is going to have ramifications for Arizona entering next season. How big is this? Just six games out of a 17-game schedule, but how big is this for Arizona?
2: I also appreciate that you almost said Arizona Wildcats because I can never get college basketball off your mind, Ben Stevens. I love it. You love it. So I appreciate you uh, still giving a shout out to the uh, Wildcats. I would say that I think you're right. This does provide clarity as to why they were seemingly a little bit more desperate to make that trade. I still think it's an overpay, especially when you consider that about five minutes later, the Eagles acquired A.J. Brown. For ostensibly less than that, when you consider their production and their value within the league and what they were traded for, uh, the Eagles certainly got a lot more value out of their trade. But uh, DeAndre Hopkins is saying that he never uh, willingly ingested anything that would have him test positive. He said his agent saying he tested negative in October and December. So what could have happened in November uh, remains to be seen. Uh, He will... Uh, he will appeal it but we know that this often doesn't go the way of the player so even he is saying we'll see in week seven uh with obviously some sort of hail mary to try to appeal but that being said when you start to look at the cardinals their odds have already been impacted slightly but they'll roll out there with rondale moore marquise brown aj green and zacker it's it is definitely not what it would be with deandre hopkins but i wouldn't Mm -hmm. complain that much about it aj green gonna have to step up a little bit more than he did last year and frankly ben they have to find a way to get rondell the more the ball a little bit further downfield he broke the record for the lowest yards per target in nfl history all they were doing was throwing screens and having him try to run with it they needed to be better about getting the ball a little bit further down the field
1: You see the Cardinals odds there to win the Super Bowl moving back slightly in the NFC West divisional market as well plus 310 and their team win total currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook is off the board. We'll see what that reflects DeAndre Hopkins missing six games suspended for six games violating the NFL's performance enhancing drugs policy. So as we focus now on the NFL draft from this past weekend, Blue, you were there for all three days, all seven rounds, all 262 selections. Who do you think had the best draft?
2: You do have to consider the Eagles, obviously, when you consider that they utilize the draft in order to acquire A.J. Brown. The Ravens are obviously getting a lot of props for the players that they selected. What I can appreciate about the Ravens, and we were saying this in the moment uh, while we're live on the grid the other day during the draft, the fact that they are still able to maneuver slightly, trade back a little bit, and still get impact players – is a really important way to evaluate how these teams utilize the draft. They didn't have to stay at 23. and said they moved back a little bit to where the Bills needed a pick. So they move back a little bit. They still get Tyler Linderbaum. They had offensive line issues, so they address it there. We know they get the playmaker in Kyle Hamilton, who at the safety position, the real reason he doesn't go in the top 10 is because that position just isn't as valued as much. But in this defensive scheme, I think he can make a bunch of plays and they can utilize his speed to ru- try to rush the passer. David Ajabo, fine, Twenty twenty two is a wash, but if he does bounce back from the Achilles injury, which is obviously a very significant injury, they will have gotten a guy that was a first-round value, a top-10 value In the second round, Travis Jones, defensive tackle from UConn, he's a raw prospect but massive, and that is in the Ravens' wheelhouse. They like massive defensive linemen, think Calais Campbell, Jalen Ferguson, and others. They go for a lot of size, and they got another guy here. And, uh, you know, the hope springs eternal in New York for the Jets. I get that, and we see rinse and repeat every year. But you have to be happy with the players that they got. It's just it is what it yep. is. I, a lot of teams are giving these same three teams that I'm talking about props, but there's a reason for it. We can't right. accurately give a prediction on how these careers are going to go. But based on the value of the players and when they selected them, those th- three teams have done well. And the Steelers obviously uh, have either make made or broken their franchise with a pick with selection of Kenny Pickett.
1: So let's dive in to the AFC North because I think it's easy to say the Baltimore Ravens can continue to put together really good drafts. They have the second best price to win that division right now at plus 200. The Steelers blew it. Your Steelers, the longest odds at the moment at plus 850. So let's focus on Pittsburgh and their first overall selection, taking Kenny Pickett out of Pitt. Do you think he will be the starter come week number one next year for the Pittsburgh Steelers?
2: I certainly hope so. I don't think they have to rush him, but considering what that quarterback room looks like, you'd want the the rookie that you just drafted to be talented enough to beat out the other players on that depth chart. I, I, I do think that if you gave me odds right now, I'd select Pickett over Trubisky as being the starter. It, I think it's the one, there's really only two teams in the entire league with a true open quarterback competition I'm blanking on the other one at the moment, but the Steelers really do have a true open quarterback competition. Carolina would be the other one. I know they've they've mentioned Darnold will be the starter, but frankly, I don't think you can hand Sam Darnold the job if people are playing better than him during camp. Uh, So I, I would put the odds on Pickett, not a huge favorite, but I think he gets there. The Steelers had to make a move for this reason. They have too much talent on the defensive side of the ball from top to bottom, to punt another season. You can't take TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, and others, and just say, ah, just one more year. Let's do another bridge quarterback before we solve it. They have to make a move, and they did.
1: And they certainly did. And they add some pieces like George Pickens that I love. They have now Connor Hayward, Cam's younger brother out of Michigan State, a hybrid flex type of player that can be a fullback or a tight end. So an interesting draft for the Pittsburgh Steelers that I happen to really like as well, Mike Blue. And as you look at the AFC North, we had those divisional odds up just a moment ago the Cleveland Browns are the favorites at plus 185 but a lot of uncertainty around whether Deshaun Watson will be available for all of this 2022 NFL campaign based on his eligibility and the personal conduct policy in the NFL where do you think the value is in this division right now
2: by the way not lost on me that you pick of all the draft picks you pick Connor Hayward because he's a big 10 guy and you're big 10 Ben that's how it goes you know me
1: so you have to I highlighted George Pickens first SEC it's
2: fair it's fair, It's fair, but we went with the fifth-round fullback, too, so that's okay. I appreciate it. There are lots of sets of brothers on the Steelers now. It's a unique situation, three sets of brothers on the same team. Uh, I do think the AFC North, I think the AFC West and the AFC North are the most difficult ones to handicap. You can obviously go with the favorite in the Chiefs because they have Pat Mahomes and still a very talented team, but I think that is the most competitive division, so you can take some long shots, even if you wanted to take the Raiders at 7-1, to one. Uh, You could take a long shot with the Raiders there. I think the AFC North is the most difficult to handicap because of what you mentioned with Deshaun Watson, Cleveland's obviously a very talented team, but we can't expect him to play 17 games. He'd be gone for six or more. The Ravens uh, have improved greatly just in getting healthy. They add these draft picks Lamar and the entire defensive backfield coming back will be helpful to them. So, then what What do you do from there? The team that's third in the order right now of odds is the team that represented the AFC in the Super Bowl, and everybody's yep. expecting some sort of regression. Do they regress all the way out of first place? I think it's possible. I'm expecting regression from the Bengals. I just think that those three teams with the Steelers, if Pickett plays well... I think this one is down to week 16, 17, 18 when we're deciding the division. So it's difficult for me to get an edge with any of the teams right now, unless you want to throw a flyer with the Steelers to come in at eight and a half to one.
1: I mean, the Steelers still at plus 850, the longest odds in that division. But you see with the team win total at seven and a half and the over juice, there's an expectation to at least be around 500 come next season in 2022. I think Blewett brings up a great point, just how difficult it will be to get out of the AFC North, the AFC West, and the AFC as a gauntlet of a conference Overall and in general. Mike Blewett, Sports Grid's NFL analyst, doing everything for us here across the grid and was always covering the NFL draft for us last weekend in Las Vegas as well. Blewett, as always, thank you very much for your time.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Look for a flyer on the Steelers to be a wild card only team on odds later this summer.
1: Ooh, more NFL draft stuff up next can never spend too much time discussing the 2022 NFL Draft. We continue to do that here on a Tuesday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. I am Ben Stevens now very pleased to welcome back on to TMA. It is Anthony Tresh, a college football analyst for PFF covering all things NFL draft for some winners and losers from this past weekend out in Las Vegas. Anthony, thank you for joining us in what I know has been a very busy time. Are you catching up on some sleep here now on a Tuesday following this past weekend in Las Vegas?
3: I am a little bit. I am a little bit. I'm thankful for coffee and caffeine in general for getting me through those three days. But also just the pure excitement got me through the entire time. But it, it was a fun time with the PFF crew here in Cincinnati. And it was awesome to see some of these draft classes. A lot of un, unexpected things happen, which was expected. You know, expected the unexpected, and it happened. So, you know, living large and looking forward to these guys playing this fall.
1: It was predicted to be a topsy-turvy draft, and that's certainly what we saw, not just in round number one on Thursday night or on Friday for rounds two and three, but really the entire weekend, all seven rounds, all 262 picks. So, Anthony, now that you've had some time to look at the draft overall, who are some teams that stood out to you with some of the best draft classes you saw?
3: Yeah, I mean, first things first, the one that really stood out to me was the Philadelphia Eagles, and, you know, that's even going back to when they traded with the Saints to get off one of their first-round picks from this year that they acquired for the uh, 2023 first-round pick in some from the New Orleans Saints because they now have an out from Jalen Hurts next year. If Jalen Hurts doesn't show much progression this year, they can get out of that, and they have two first-round picks to package next year for one of the top passing prospects. And, of course, another trade that happened on draft night that was shocking to everybody, A.J. Brown, Tennessee Titans star-wide (laughs) receiver, going to Philly for pick 18, um, and I think it was pick 103 it was, um, you know, that I think that's a very good value there considering the wide receivers that were on the board at the time and what we've seen from A.J. Brown. I mean, he's been one of the highest-graded wide receivers since entering the NFL a few years ago. Um, I would much rather have A.J. Brown, even with the extension, um, even given up that third-round pick, um, than someone like Traylon Burks, who went there, who Tennessee then selected in his replacement. So, big fan of those two moves, but then – on draft night, they also got one of the biggest steals of the night with the Kobe Dean, the off-ball linebacker from Georgia, who I, I've heard some pretty bad things medically. But, you know, if he's healthy, I think he's one of the best players in this class. He would have been a first-round pick if healthy. I know that for a fact. Um, and then Cam Jurgens, Jordan Davis, just good players there. So I thought they won there. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs seemingly drafted off the PFF draft board because it seemed like the best player available every single time they went up to the pick. <laughs> they ended up taking. Um, you know, yeah. I thought they were big winners there. Atlanta Falcons, too. Um, you know, I think they just kind of hit home run after home run, and you know the fact that they were able to get Desmond Ritter, who they've been rumored to be very interested in throughout the entire pre-draft process, in the third round. I mean, I think that's incredible value. Now, granted, he's not you know some of the passing prospects we've seen like last year's first rounders, but I still think he probably should have been a first round pick considering the type of player he is. So. You know, those three teams and, of course, the Baltimore Ravens as well. um, I thought they got fantastic value in several spots in the first couple of days. So those are kind of the big winners in my eyes with the Philadelphia Eagles leading the list.
1: Anthony, we knew that leading into this NFL draft, the quarterback class would not be all that well received. And then we saw that play out this past weekend in Las Vegas. When you take Kenny Pickett in the first round, no quarterbacks in the second, and then Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, all in the third I know it's a tough thing to do but which quarterback of this rookie class do you think has the most early success at the next level in the NFL
3: yeah it's very interesting with the way kind of everything transpired and I do think if Carolina with the sixth overall pick would have went in another direction as opposed to taking um, an offensive lineman um, and went quarterback I think it changes everything I think we see the quarterbacks come off the board the way we originally thought because I think some teams would kind of pay themselves into it Instead, Pittsburgh takes the first one off the board at pick 20. And then, you know, it just kind of seems like teams were playing a game of cat and mouse. It's just like, oh, he's going to do it next. And just kind of seeing who can get away with it. Um, Because if people miss out, they're not going to be too upset with themselves. So it was very interesting the way everything transpired. And, you know, out of all the, you know, top passing prospects, the one that I had kind of the least faith in entering in the NFL draft was Kenny Pickett. who went 20th overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But he undoubtedly went to the best situation. Um, And I think he's probably going to play the most football of anybody next year. And I think, you know, it's going to have to be a pretty hold your hand type of system for him. He's going to need a lot of help because he's not a high level processor. He's not a quick and decisive decisive decision maker. Um, We see that throughout his time as Pitt, I mean, just this past year, 3.19 second average time to throw. That would have been the slowest in the NFL last year. He can't get away with that. It's going to have to be about six tenths of a second quicker, and it's not easy to fix that overnight. So it's going to have to be a lot of schemed throws there. And they have the players to do it. I mean, one player in particular I'm excited to see how they use is Calvin Austin, the the guy they drafted um, this past year from Memphis, undersized player. But, man, his his quicks and speed is off the charts. So you can use him in kind of a gadget type of role and kind of help out Kenny Pickett from time to time. So I think you have to say Kenny Pickett just because I think he's probably going to play the most football. But if you had to guarantee me all these quarterbacks are playing the same amount, I'm still probably leaning with Ritter because I think he has the most NFL ready game. I don't think any of these quarterbacks are going to produce at a, you know, elite level, nowhere near, you know, I mean, Mac Jones was an elite this past year for the New England Patriots, but he was still very good. You know, all things considered, I don't think anyone out of these quarterbacks are going to produce at that type of level. Um, So I'm expecting a lot of underwhelming from everybody you know, all these rookie pastors that get out there on the field. But, you know, Pickett's probably gonna play the most football. But if, you know, if you could guarantee me Ritter's playing the same amount, I'd probably say he's probably gonna have the most success of the bunch, at least for this year.
1: And the situation, especially early on, will be very, very important for how successful these quarterbacks are now in the NFL. Kenny Pickett's one of the co-favorites, Anthony, right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Plus 600. His price, the same price alongside the Atlanta Falcons' first overall pick in drake london at plus 600 who is your pick to win offensive rookie of the year next year in the nfl yeah i'm leaning
3: towards drake london um you know kind of just knowing how the award works i mean it's a lot of volume stuff and i think he's going to have a hefty workload i mean he's the ideal possession receiver that's a lot of targets that's a lot of catches and that translates to you know possibly winning offensive rookie of the year i think Traylon burks is also in the same boat there i mean the tennessee titans receiving corps is it's just flat out bad after him. and he, He's going to be getting a lot of run early. They're going to be looking at him saying, hey, you need to be A.J. Brown, what A.J. Brown was for us, and they're going to expect yeah. that, and I think they're going to try and just feed him the ball repeatedly. So those two names really stick out, and you can't rule out Kenny Pickett um, just considering, again, how the award is wrapped it up. You know, he's somehow serviceable. They're close, yeah, you know, around a 500 record, and considering the situation around him, I think it's enough to get him there. I'm just wondering if he can ever carry the load because he's going to be down and have to win in the true drop back passing game sometimes. And I'm just not confident in him doing that. But at the end of the day, he's probably going to be, I would be kind of surprised if he didn't beat up Mitchell Trubisky, to be honest. I mean, yeah. it, it, Mitchell Trubisky, and Mason Rudolph, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are very high on those guys. But I just cannot see them kind of changing anybody's opinion or really outdoing themselves what they've done in the past. So. They might just go with the, the rookie quarterback route with Kenny Pickett, who's already on the older end um, from an age perspective. So, I, I think those top three favorites are probably who, they, who the top three should be. Um, and if I had to put my money on any of them, I'm probably going to go with Drake London because I have the most confidence in him of the three.
1: Anthony Tresh joining us here on a Tuesday morning, on the morning after a college football analyst covering all things NFL draft for PFF. As we flip it from offense to defense, Anthony, the first five picks. In the 2022 NFL Draft, we're all on the defensive side of the football. A lot of the focus on the edge rushers. Do you think the defensive rookie of the year will be an edge rusher next season in the NFL?
3: Yeah, I probably would say that's going to be the case. You know, I still wish defensive backs would get proper consideration. But historically, mm. that just doesn't happen in, you know, it's kind of a flawed uh, process there. But looking at those edge defenders. I'm putting my money on Aiden Hutchinson, who is the favorite because he has the highest floor of any of these bunch, and I still think his ceiling is as high as any. Even Trayvon Walker, even Kevin Thibodeau. Um, you know, I think Trayvon Walker. We all know he has a lot to work on within his game, and I don't think that's going to get fixed. You know, over the summer, I, you know, I think it's going to be a multi-year thing there. With Aiden Hutchinson, what we saw this past year was historic production, right? I mean, he broke PFF college records. It was up there with you know Chase Young and the Bosa's best seasons at their uh, at Ohio State University Uh, so I think Aiden Hutch is going to come in and kind of I think going to be the firm leader of that Detroit Lions defense that needs that type of presence I had a 94.7 PFF grade this past year I think you know may not be that type of level at the NFL it's not gonna be but I still think it's going to be defensive rookie of the year And I think he has a chance to possibly be you know top 15 greater player at the position um, right away I, I think he's that good of a player right now um, just an advanced pass rusher. His pass rush plan is beyond a- anything else, um, you know, some of those other top favorites are. So I'm leaning with Aiden Hutchinson there, and I'd be pretty surprised if it's not someone from this front seven, just all things considered.
1: The shortest odds of a defensive back is Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, plus 950. He won 14th overall to the baltimore ravens the ravens were one of the overachievers that anthony highlighted as the winners from the 2022 nfl draft anthony a simple question how does the rest of the league keep letting baltimore get away with this during the nfl draft
3: it's a good question and they did some interesting things i mean that secondary is going to be it's going to be pretty hot you have marlon humphrey there marcus peters both coming back from injury Mm -hmm. and then they just signed marcus williams too who's been one of the best safeties in the nfl with the new orleans saints over the years um, and then getting the best safety prospect in the class who I think still should have gone top five. I don't care about the 40 time. Um, you know, that's yeah. a pretty dangerous secondary. Um, I mean, that's a pretty good value there. The pick that interests me is Tyler Linderbaum. I, mean, I think that's incredible value where they got him there. 25th overall. Um, I think he's one of the, you know, close to a top 10 prospect in this class. Um, the problem was there just really isn't a need for a zone center. The interesting part is is that Baltimore is not a zone team. They they're running rushing offense is predicated off of gap scheme. How does Tyler Linderbaum kind of adjust to that? Because it's going to be completely different from what he experienced at Iowa. Just considering the concerns about his you know game, which is kind of just holding up at the line scrimmage. His anchor um, being an undersized guy. You know, he wins with his athleticism out in space. You know, he's going to be, I would say, out of all the NFL teams, Baltimore is kind of the worst situations that he could go into. I still think he's going to have very – he's going to have a lot of success. I think he is. But I just think his ceiling may be a little bit lower now. If he had landed into one of those heavy zone offenses, um, I, I think at that point he probably could be at all-pro. Now I'm i am a little—I'm doubting it just a little bit, but I still think he's going to be a good player. There. But overall, I mean, they got considerably fantastic value all throughout the draft.
1: And it's never too early to look at next year. The favorites to be the number one overall selection for the 2023 NFL Draft. Two quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. Bryce Young, the reigning high, has been winner out of Alabama, both at plus 200. So, Anthony, look into your crystal ball for us. Who will be that number one overall pick in next year's draft?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, we're going to get another interesting year at the quarterback position. I know I saw someone say, just hypothetically, uh, I think it was Mel Kiper throw out a six and a half over under for first round quarterbacks next year. I, if someone made that available. I'm hitting the under right now, taking out some 401k, some of my 401k. It hit me under. <laughs> um, I think some of these guys are getting a little overhyped. Um, I get the hype with CJ Stroud, the productions off the charts. I just still have a, some hesitation to say he's going to be the slam dunk, number one, overall pick. By the bet on anybody, it's Bryce Young, but you're not getting good value there. Um, I believe it was at two to one. I think he's going to be the number one overall pick next year. People will be concerned about the size. His footwork is also bad, and he's got to rework that. And NFL teams are not going to be fans of that. But I think he's probably the favorite to be that top guy. And Will Anderson, too, if a quarterback, you know, t- a team with a quarterback is picking first overall, he's going to be that guy. Um, I would just take a flyer at that point. I mean, I would probably sprinkle a little bit on maybe Spencer Rattler, who was the favorite entering last year. If he can kind of resurrect his play at South Carolina, and I think he can.
1: Anthony Trash, a college football analyst for PFF, covering all things NFL Draft, joining us here on a Tuesday on TMA. Anthony, thank you so much for your time. Of course, thank you. We round out our number one up next here on The Grid. Rounding out our number one the morning after right here on a Tuesday on the grid Sirius XM channel 159 the home for sports grid radio on Sirius XM all across the sports grid network I am Ben Stevens we round out our number one by hearing from you with our focus back on the NBA postseason two game ones last night going the way of both home teams and the number one overall seeds in either conference the Phoenix Suns taking care of business Against the Dallas Mavericks, the Miami Heat beating the Philadelphia 76ers by 14 points. So, which series with Miami up 1 0 and Phoenix up 1 nothing, goes on longer? We find out from you right now and fade the public. So, which conference semifinal series goes further into it? How many games will we get for Miami and Philadelphia? in phoenix in dallas that's what we asked the public which series goes on longer and right now between those two featuring the one versus four matchup in either conference the public thinks the suns and the mavs will go on just a little bit longer 56 percent of the vote right now for this poll at sportsgrid tv on twitter still active and ongoing by the way if you want your input to be felt thinks the suns and the mavs goes on a little bit longer then the Heat and the Sixers. Again, Phoenix up one nothing. They win and cover last night as a six-point home favorite over Dallas. The Miami Heat also winning and covering as a home favorite of seven and a half points last night against Philadelphia. Sons Joel Embiid. But JoJo will be back, it seems, or at least there is some hope that he is back for games three and four. Luka Doncic gave the Mavs 45 points last night, but still comes up short. He'll need some help from the rest of his teammates both of these in the series total games market for miami and philly and phoenix and dallas five games is the shortest at plus 185 but it seems based on the odds right now miami more in control of their series against philadelphia and the suns are in their series against the dallas mavericks our number two of the morning after is up next on the other side of the break right here on the grid